Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, May 23rd, 2017, and we are reading from the big book. We are on page 44, the second full paragraph. Today's readers are... Allison L. on the 12 Steps, Esther F. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Du L. and Martha Z. And Allison L. again, as necessary. Okay, um, the reference numbers for yesterday's meetings, May 22nd, Monday, the 7 a.m. meeting is 9964, and the 10 a.m. meeting is 9966. And our newcomer greeter today is Mary Ann D. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Allison L. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning. Thank you. This is Allison L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Allison L. And Esther F., would you please read the 12 traditions of OA? 
Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everybody. This is Esther F., um, a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, for each, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. Twelve, uh, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Esther F. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the um, directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we begin our study of the big book on page 44, the second full paragraph, which begins to one who feels he is an atheist. We'll read through two paragraphs until it says, our experience shows you need not be disconcerted. And we will focus our comments on both paragraphs. Today, I will ask Martha Z to get us started. Good morning, Kathy Kay. Thank you for your loving service. This is Martha Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from near Philadelphia. To one who feels he's an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. But to continue as he is means disaster especially if he's an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. To be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis 
are not always easy alternatives to face. But it isn't so difficult. About half of our original fellowship were exactly of that type. At first, some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholics. But after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. Perhaps it's going to be that way with you. But cheer up, something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. Our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. Good morning, my friends in recovery. Um, Chapter 4 is is dealing with step two, and the the principle for step two is hope. So I just wanted to recap. Yesterday we were talking about the two questions to find out, if I'll say, if we're really compulsive overeaters. Um, The first one, if when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, um, speaks to our mental obsession. And then if when drinking you have little control over the amount you take, that speaks to our physical allergy. So... Anyway, I just wanted to just say that. And I just think it's so refreshing. We have all these questions. I think in a way we have 15 questions. So this makes it very simple. So um, in the next paragraph, the first paragraph we're supposed to comment on is to continue as he is means disaster, especially if he's a compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety. Um, I am absolutely a compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety. And as I continued to be eating myself to death. It, it was certainly quite a disaster. So, But then it says, then then it gives us our alternative. So we can keep going on and doing that and, and creating our own misery. Or we could live on a spiritual basis. And for me, I felt like there wasn't much of a choice there. I mean, I, I, I was so suffering, so struggling. I didn't feel like I had a lot to lose. But I really thought of it in a different way. I mean, please give us two choices. But the way I used to think of it was I can be 500 pounds, insane or dead, or I can have the dignity of trying. That's what I would tell myself. So I think the reason I am recovered today is because I just hung in there. I really did believe that one day something was going to happen. And I knew it wasn't going to be here if I wasn't here. So I just encourage anybody who's struggling to keep going, you know, to keep coming because I struggled for 12 years and um, and I have been living in recovery for for over 28 since then. So I, I just encourage you. Anyway, um, in the other part, it says it says we must. Here's a must: find a spiritual basis of life, or else. And that's kind of a warning. Um, that 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 this program is going to be spiritual, and you know it's it's kind of foreshadowing on the next page where it talks about the as Harlan says our thesis statement, which says, you know, this book will enable you to find a relationship with a power greater than yourself that can solve your problem. And I like to think it's, for me, not only the problems that I've have had with food, but with my whole life. And um, I have in the margin, I have. Um, saying yes to the first two steps opens the door a crack. So step one, we found out that we've got this lack of power. And step two is simply going to be just saying that we need a power greater than ourselves. It's not having a firm 
idea of what that power looks like. It's just that, wow, I can't do this myself. I'm really going to need a higher power. So anyway, I think that's all I have. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Martha Z. Okay, who would like to share on these two paths? This is Larry. KDG from Boston. Okay, one to ask. Matt M. Let me stop there for a a minute. Um, I have so far Larry K, Katie G, Harlan G, Matt M. Who else? Lauren Lauren Okay, Lauren N and Tina F. Let's stop there, and we'll get a second group in a little while. Okay, please go ahead, Larry Kay. Okay, Kathy, can you hear me all right first? I can, yes. Okay, great, great. Thanks thanks for your service on this, and I appreciate the uh, the lead on that. Uh, I'm Larry Kay. I'm, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. So in the middle of page 44, the authors, uh, you know, give us again these two options, to be doomed in alcoholic death, that's option number one, that's available to me, or to live on a spiritual basis, that's option two, are not always easy alternatives to face. So again, they're giving the only two alternatives that I have if I'm a compulsive overeater, either more food by way of the disease or a spiritual transformation by way of recovery through the steps. And not only is a, is a uh, spiritual experience possible, it's guaranteed, provided I keep an open mind and I take the steps described uh, in the big book. And, you know, conversely, my, my personal experience has shown me that the spiritual awakening is not going to happen simply by putting the food down, uh, even showing up here every morning. That's, that's unequivocally not going to be enough. Um, living on a spiritual basis, you know, can start in my mind, and it may affect my heart over time. It, it has indeed done those things. But I can assure you living on a spiritual basis means action. And I'm reminded in the big book that if I'm going to try to get a new attitude, I'm going to try to get this new relationship with my creator, discover these obstacles in my path, that's going to require definitive action. I want to mention quickly that there was a guy uh, – by the name of Jim Burwell, if you know a little bit about the history, and I know many people online do, he was one of the first 10 members of the AA on the East Coast, uh, Jim Burwell was. And this guy was a steadfast atheist. He called himself a militant agnostic. And I'll tell you that he was hugely responsible uh, as a pioneer of our group for the development of our third tradition which is the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. So if you are atheist or you are militantly agnostic, like Jim, you're in good company. You can indeed recover, provided that you take these steps as laid out in the big book and take these actions. You too can have a spiritual awakening sufficient to drive out this obsession and to change you. And grateful for this program. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Katie G., please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy Kay. May I be heard? Yes, you can. Awesome. This is Katie G., recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic, starting my timer in Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, I love this chapter. I love what you guys said yesterday. I love what you're saying today. So here I am, right? Like, I'm dying. I'm calling the people in OA, and I'm like, dude, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I swear I'm going to die, right? 
And then they're like, all right, listen, here's the deal. You're either going to die this overeater death. Like, I got it. I got it. I'm with you. I have this. Or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. And I'm sitting there and I'm dying. And uh, me and my thinking mind is like, well, what kind of spiritual basis are you talking about, right? Like, here I am. Miss Ego saying, oh, well, the food is so hard and I'm desperate and I'm willing to go to any length. And then I'm like, wait a second, hold on. You know, like, you know, as, as so many of us say, like cancer patients, radiation, you book it, you book it. You're not asking questions, right? And for me, when I came out of my last relapse, all I knew was that there had to be a power greater than myself because what I was doing was not working and I love this book it brings us all in and I love that it's we agnostics because for me living as a recovered woman for today just for today based on my willingness to live on a spiritual basis I get agnostic guys I'm I'm not gonna lie like I am thank you God surrendered with my food and with many areas of my life but there are still areas that I'm like all right God I know you did the food. I know you did this. I know, oh, you did the husband. Good job, God. But you know what? The rest of this, tell you what, I'm going to take it back for me. Because somehow that spiritual basis, like, I know it worked before, but the great I am, you know, I need to go have a good think on all this, you know. And um, that's why I love the vitality of this meeting, that we go back and we remember, like, no, KDG from Boston, if you really are one of us, if you're really identifying in, you got two options, girlfriend. You've got a food addicted death, right? Because what happens when I stop trusting God? Ultimately, 10, 11, my turnarounds, my resentments, my fear-based life, right, becomes the only one I know. And when my fear-based life is the only one I know, then what? Eating is a step up. Starving is a step up. Puking is a step up. You know what I mean? Like, that's what's going to happen. I'm going to end up back in the food. You know, so I don't have a choice today. Thank God. Which is why I work such a rigorous program, not because I'm a good person, not because I want to go to the head of the class, although frankly, KDG from Boston would love to go to the head of the class, but today, let me step back and be one among many because that, that is where God is, right? Like, okay, God, I can't do this. I can't do any of it, and I need, I need your help, right? I, my way is not working, and one more day, guys, one more day, shoulder to shoulder, I'm doing it with you, and uh, God bless. Thank you, Katie G. Harlan G., please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy, and thank you for your service this morning. Thank you to Team Tuesday for making this meeting possible. We owe a debt of gratitude to all the people that came before us, but especially here we're talking about, as Larry said, Jimmy Burwell. Jimmy Burwell was a militant atheist. He did call himself a militant agnostic, excuse me, he was an atheist. And he power drove this idea home that it did not have to be a religious God or a religious thing. But what we're looking at here is something that is very simple and very, very important. It says here, to one who feels he is an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. But to continue as he is means disaster. I think back to Ebby and Bill in Bill's story. And Bill is arguing this idea of God. He is trying to talk himself out of this idea of a spiritual experience. 
but here sat before me who declared in point-blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. It took all argument away from Bill. Bill could no longer argue because he sat there and looked at Ebby Thatcher, and Ebby, who he knew was an alcoholic, was sober and was doing so happily. To be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. Why is that? Cancer doesn't really do anything for the sufferer. Leukemia doesn't do anything for the sufferer. But an Oreo cookie, no matter what my life is like in terms of a hell, no matter how those Oreo cookies and Kit Kat bars tore my life to pieces, a Kit Kat bar will do something for me, not to me, for me, that nothing else will do. A Kit Kat bar will give me about eight seconds of respite from the world that I was born into that I did not understand and do not fit into on my own. God will do that for more than eight seconds. I am standing as I live my life in front of two doors. I have the buildup of human emotion. I have sadness, happiness, jealousy, resentment, fear, inadequacy. I have all these various emotions, and these emotions mean that when I'm not eating, it is too painful for me to bear. And so I seek door number one, the one Carol Merrill is not standing in front of, Oreo cookies, Kit Kat bars, what have you, and it gives me some relief. It gives me a moment of pleasure. When I seek the hand of God through a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps, notice I didn't say anything about a religious deity. All I'm talking about here is the willingness to believe, I don't have to believe, the willingness to believe that there is a power greater than myself. Am I so pompous that there is no power greater than myself? Because if there is, I can work these steps with that belief and have a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps and trade that moment of pleasure for a lifetime of deep, fulfilled happiness and the desire to eat is no longer upon me because I already feel better. That's the door Carol Merrill is standing in front of. That's the one I want to choose. With that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Harlan G. Matt M., please go ahead. Hi, good morning, Kathy K. This is Matt M., compulsory eater from here in New Jersey. Uh, to one who feels he is an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems possible, and to continue as he is means disaster, especially as an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. I'm definitely an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. You don't get to be 650 pounds, 660 pounds, and not be a hopeless alcoholic when it comes to food. I definitely was. I did not know where I was going to get my next meal, but I would scrounge the money together anyhow I could get any way I can get it. Spending uh, my rent money, spending money that I supposed to pay on bills, on food. And uh, I thought that I was an agnostic. I thought I was an atheist at one time, but I really never was. I thought I was an agnostic, but uh, I am willing to believe that I do have a higher power, my own understanding. I, I believe that I can I, ha I can achieve a relationship with one by working the steps, and I believe that I'm not alone in this universe because that would be too arrogant of me to think that I'm not. there's nothing out there because there's so many situations, if I look at my life, that I've gotten out of these situations that I believe something is watching out for me. And if I was an atheist or agnostic, I wouldn't believe those things. 
ungrateful. I don't have to be arrogant and get get in my own way again or be self self righteous with this attitude that I have towards a higher power. I let, I finally let go of that stuff that I was raised with the religion of my my upbringing. I don't have to go with the God of that understanding. I can go with the God of my own understanding, and I'm grateful just to say that's the way I, I want things to go. And um, but it is it's not so difficult. It is not. I could be I could be part of that fellowship that has gotten a higher power is wants to have a relationship with a higher power. I know I'm not alone in this world anymore and I'm grateful that I have this group program and I'm grateful for meeting us here today and with that I'll pass. Thank you, Matt M. Lauren N, please go ahead. Lauren Press Go ahead. Thank you. I was unmuting. Thank you very much, um everyone, Team Tuesday. Can you hear me okay? I can. Thank you. This the, the fact is that I am totally powerless over absolutely everything in my life except for how I act. Not how I feel, but how I act. And Thanks to all of you, I get to remember that one day at a time, every single morning when I wake up, every single day when I, at, when I start moving in the morning, I realize that I, am, I wake up in the disease and I have to remember that I'm not a sick human being, that I am just a compulsive overeater. And a sugar addict. And with that, I can still live happy, joyous, and free thanks to, thanks to this program and knowing that I am not the end-all and be-all and that there is a power greater than me out there. Thank you all for helping me remember that today. Have a good day, Thank you, Lauren N. Tina S., please go ahead. Thanks, Kathy, for your service. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. Wow, I heard some really good things this morning. Grateful to be on the line. And, uh, you know, uh, this page and the next page especially is one of my favorite parts of the big book. And, you know, because I always think that I can do this thing on my own. You know, the good news is uh, I came to the place in my life where I couldn't. You know, and and, it's, you know, and everybody shared this. You know, it says that, you know, but to continue as he is means disaster. You know, if he's an alcoholic of the hopeless variety, to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis. I don't know. My experience is I had to play with that. Did I want to die or did I want to live? You know, there was no easy decision for me. You know, and I think, you know, it's interesting. You know, I don't think normal people come and say, okay, you're either going to die or you're going to do this. And they don't want the death part. But a compulsive eater or an alcoholic, you know, we got to we got to play with it with the uh, the two options, you know. And uh, you know, the good news for me again is, you know, just continue to not work, and I continue to live because I don't know that dying was a bad thing, but living in the disease was was the worst part of it, you know. And then, but after all, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life, you know. And so that was my only option. And finally, you know, I said, okay, I'm ready. You know, I am ready. And uh, and then it says, cheer up. You know, like half of us thought we, we were 
atheists or agnostics because, you know, I finally got here that I, you know, didn't know if I really believed in a power greater than myself and uh, didn't really know what to do, but I wasn't alone, you know, and, and that for me is why I continue to come around, you know, because I'm not alone. In my disease on my own, I'm alone. And um, in recovery today, you know, one day at a time doing this thing, doing the deal, you know, I have so many people that are behind me that support me. And, and I'm one of those that are behind and support others, you know, because if I don't, you know, practice these principles in all my affairs, I have nothing to give away, you know. And, and bottom line is I don't want to give anything away, you know, if I'm not, I'm not practicing these principles. And for me, I don't think if I was, if I was not doing it, I wouldn't be coming here just hanging out. I love you guys, but I ain't just coming here to hang out. I'm coming here to do the work, to get the results. You know, because that's why I'm here. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Okay, we'll take a few more who would like to share. Ross M. Okay, one second, please. Um, Let's see. Rasa O. Nessa R. Who else? Lisa B. Ross R. Um, Charles H. I'll take one more. Shannon S. Shannon R. And Shoshana K. If we have time. Okay, so here's who I have Uh, Rasa O. Nessa R. Lisa D. Ross. R, Charles H, Shannon R, and Shoshana K. Please go ahead, Vasa. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. Thank you, Kathy, for your service, and thank you for every one of you being here this morning and yesterday and all the time. And uh, to one who feels she's an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible, but to uh, but to continue as he means mean disaster, especially if he is an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. And I was that hopeless person, and for me it was getting really, really progressive. And, you know, again, I, I it was very hard for me to admit I was atheist. It sounded better, a little bit better uh, to be agnostic, I did come from a, a, a communist country, and we were taught in school there was no God, and um, and uh, and then I had a father that was a priest, and at times he had his questions about the ministry, about God, you know what was going there, you know. So, um, but hearing here, you know, in this second paragraph. But after a while, we find to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else uh, and cheer up. So for me, I found it a little bit more comforting that it was not just because I came from a communist country. Here in America, there were people like that too, atheists or agnostics. So and I wouldn't, it, it was, I mean, I, I, it was so hard for me to admit that I was atheist. But that was the truth, you know. I had to, I needed proof. I needed proof. To, I needed to see, to touch, to believe, you know. And again, we were brainwashed as growing up. There was no God. 
and I had to depend my own my self-sufficient, my own willpower. Well, I'm grateful now that I had the food addiction. In step one, I was ready to admit I was powerless. And step two, I needed to find a power greater than myself. myself. And I was ready and I was willing because I did not want to die. You know, I had kids to raise and I had, you know, I just wanted to live life. But I also didn't want to live miserable life while I'm here on earth to wait till till I die then you know I'm gonna be in heavens and God knows what he's gonna think of Vasa how her life he he Vasa was living her life on this earth, you know, trying to be a good girl, to be a perfect girl, whatever, you know. But I'm so grateful that I have a power greater than myself to help me with the food and then graduate everything, and I'm ha- grateful it's a spiritual program. It's not a religious program. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Nessa R., please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. You know, I hear so many people say, oh, the steps didn't work for me, and the truth is that in order for this program to work, you know, we got to work it the way it should be worked. And only if I believe two things um, will I do that. The first one is that I am a compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety. And the second one is that if I, if I don't recover, I will suffer an alcoholic death. You know, with regards to hopelessness, um, I came into this, these rooms not as the first thing that I ever tried in order to lose weight and keep it off. I tried so many things, and they worked, and, I, and, I, and I, I, they worked. I, I lost the weight, but I was never able to keep it off. I always bounced back, um, and I was out of ideas. So when I came in, I was totally hopeless. Um, I didn't know where else to turn. You know, with, with regard to the alcoholic death, I think that, you know, when we read these two, two words, I think Belt meant them both literally and figuratively because, you know, I was, I was, death, I was dead while I was alive. I, I had no life in me. I lived, I lived to eat. I had no enthusiasm for life. I did not participate in life. I didn't have thriving relationships. I was not really thriving in any way. I was, I was dead inside. But it also, it also means a literal death. And it's, it's very easy for people to see how alcohol can kill, how drugs can kill. But food, food is life-sustaining. Food is not supposed to kill. And it doesn't really matter that I'm morbidly obese. It doesn't matter that, you know, going up half a flight of stairs feels like I'm going to have a heart attack. Um, you know, I can easily discount those things, you know, and if I don't have a lot of excess weight, then it's even that much more difficult to truly believe that this disease can and will kill me. But it is essential to believe that because truly that is the choice. You know, I can, I can die eating or I can live with spiritual health. There are no other choices, you know, and to me, um, once I realized the nature of my disease, that wasn't really much of a choice. I mean, who's going to choose death over life? 
Um, and that is precisely um, the key here, the fact that we can literally die from this disease. And I don't know about you, but I, I know, I know uh, to my inner core that if I pick up the food, you know, you might as well just put the undertaker on standby because this thing will kill me. And I have no doubt about that. And I don't want to go that way. I don't want to go that route. Um, so belief in the fact that we are hopeless and belief in the fact that this disease can spell a literal death are a must in order to make me willing um, to put down the food honestly, rigorously, honestly, and entirely. And 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 uh, and work these steps like my life depends on it because it does. You know these steps are the difference between life, literal life and death for me. And I pass. Thank you, uh, Nessa R. Lisa B. Please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. This is Lisa B. A grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. Well, the line that stands out for me, to be doomed to an alcohol death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. I didn't want just two options. I wanted there to be a third option. Um, And when I look up the word spiritual, it means um, something related to or concerned with the spirit or the soul. You know, um, having that quiet inside of me was too uncomfortable. I, I couldn't handle it. I needed to be under the influence of my alcoholic foods. I either needed to be, you know, rushing around in a high from sugar and caffeine and processed foods or, you know, sluggish and numb from, you know, heavy carbs and, and fats. And um, even though I felt that I was a spiritual person, I was convinced that, you know, if something outside of me, either a new job, a new house, a new husband, a better-looking body, a better-looking wardrobe, um, you know, something outside of me, and really and truly um, this program has convinced me that um, I have been so child, childish and childlike in many ways. Um, it's all about you. This program has taught me that it's about taking responsibility for myself and really hearing this truth that it starts with putting the food down, which is like what was shared, that I am powerless over it, that food was the solution. Food was not the problem. It was the solution. And, you know, when I look up the word um, grow, growing in understanding and effectiveness, growing in in the way it's used in our literature. It says um, in the 12 and 12, and as we grow spiritually, we find that our old ideas toward our instincts need to undergo drastic revisions. And I found that I could handle that quiet inside of me and begin to work in the direction of being more concerned with the spirit and the soul, being more concerned with others and with my higher power, but I needed to work the steps to get unblocked. It's a whole different way of living, and it's about taking responsibility for myself, looking at what are my shortcomings, what am I doing, how have I harmed others, not looking at how they've harmed me, which is how I've lived my whole life. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. Ross R., please go ahead. Good morning, everyone. This is Russ M. outside of Philly, compulsive overeater. Uh, this is my chapter. This is this is definitely my chapter. Uh, I come from a 
Christian perspective. Uh, born and raised Catholic. Loved God my whole life. But I'm one of these guys that I'm not an atheist, but I believe in God. But what the heck does he want to have to do with me? And the more and more I contemplate about it, going through the steps and all, you know, the food has been my God. I've had faith in the food. I've had when when the car broke down or my kid was sick or whatever, I, I, I went to the food. And when I've been beat into reasonableness just in January and I started attending, you know, the scales have been dropping from my eyes. And this, you know, my, 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 the puzzle piece has been put in place with uh, my faith. And, you know, as I work the steps, I realize that, you know, the food isn't, that's not my God. You know, my higher power is my God. And I, you know, through everything, not just with food, you know, just, you know, in all our affairs, you know, this is, it's a little difficult for a Sicilian to, to understand that, but, you know, I'm working at it and I'm working progress and, you know, I'm so grateful for, for recovery and, and that, you know, it, it, it's still a struggle. I, my faith is, is, uh, you know, every day it's a challenge to believe that God has interest in my, in me and, and, and goodness for me and wants to bless me and, wants me healthy, wants me alive to make a difference, to help someone. And as I work the steps, the ego keeps slipping down, keeps, you know, keep, keeping it down. And with that, the food stays down. So, um, you know, sometimes I say, there's nothing out there. But then I look at, you know, I got four months right now, four months of abstinence. I couldn't get four minutes. And that's not even an exaggeration. Nobody abused worse than me. And um, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for these phone meetings. And you, you, you wonderful people are the strongest people on earth. And I just want to thank you and your blessing to me. With that, I pass. Thank you, Ross M. Uh, Charles H., please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy Kate. Thank you for your service. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, we had to face the fact. I want to drill down on there. The fact. These people know this has been proven. So here I come, all self-centered, and I know this, and I got this, and I know God and all that, and I don't know nothing because it tells me that no human power, the 12 steps is not human, right? Works without faith is dead, right? Imagine life without faith. There's parts of the book that tell me, page 55 tells me the great reality is inside of me, deep down, buried under binge food. But I had to face the fact that that's the fact. Page 60, she tells me God could and, could and would if he was sought. How do I seek him? At, at the end of me, I will seek him. I will seek him if I face the fact, right? Um, I did the work before, and I wasn't recovered. I can tell you at Virginia Beach, I ordered out. I don't care what you think about me. This is about saving my life. I had to face the fact, and I embraced that bench. I embraced it, right? Because I faced the fact. It made me face the fact. I, I tell sponsors, hey, you know what, da da da. You're going to do it anyway until you face the fact. That's what's going to happen, right? And I, I, thank, I thank the 12 steps. I'll give you a quick story. I was supposed to share at a, a workshop on Sunday, and then, you know, I heard my pastor call me out. 
oh, you need to call me to find out. I'm not calling you. I won't go back at all. I'm not leaving Ovaries Anonymous because I know people in there, and I'm not knocking whatever. I'm just keeping it official. You could be in there talking about God, hallelujah, and I got the food. I don't need you there. And there's no such thing as working a food plan. You work the 12 steps. You put the food down, and you work the 12 steps like, like, like your life is on fire. I chase the 12 steps like my life is on fire. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Charles H. Shannon R., please go ahead. This is Shannon F. I had asked to share. Oh, I'm sure. Shannon Shannon R. also. Go ahead, Shannon. Thank you. This is Shannon S., uh, recovered in Buffalo, New York. And uh, what came to mind when we read those few paragraphs was um, when I came into program, I thought that I could just skip over step two because I had this God stuff down. Um, And as I relapsed a few more times, I realized I didn't know anything. Um, I knew a lot of information, but I was trying to work a religious program. And it says in that reading that we need to live a spiritual way of life. And um, it's, it's a spiritual program. It's not a religious program. So I had a lot of knowledge, but I did not have the relationship. And I thought, oh, no, of course, I'm, I believe. I'm willing to believe. But as I went through my step work, it was revealed to me that I did have some atheist and agnostic beliefs about how God would work in my, in my life or if the the kind of unconditional love that I need from a higher power, if that actually was available. I wasn't sure if that was possible at all. And so I uh, I had to be beaten to submission. I had to go back and do more research and think that my self-knowledge was going to get me somewhere when I had to realize that it wasn't and it didn't. And so once I finally grasped the idea and understood and then was willing to entertain the idea that um, that I could trust my higher power for everything and to go back and to realize that step two is but a beginning. Um, I love how it was said in the, the very beginning by the reader that, you know, step two is characterized by hope. Um, I don't need to believe in um, that my higher power is going to save me from everything, but I need to be willing to believe. And so once I put my knowledge aside and um, and I, I needed to, to come almost like a, like a child, a child who believes everything. You can tell them something and they will sometimes, you know, believe things that are really ridiculous. Um, but I had, to, I had to get to a place where I was totally humble and I was willing to admit that I, I didn't know anything about God and I certainly didn't know anything about having a relationship with God. And I just had to come with my hands open and say, Okay, higher power. I need, I need you to help me with this because I don't I don't know how to do this. Um, and 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 then continuing on with the steps, um, you know, just a, a decision to continue on with the steps and to trust the process. And sometimes I had to look at the fellowship and at the group is my higher power and say, okay, well, if it worked for you, then I will trust, I will borrow your hope, I will borrow your faith, and um, then maybe it could work for me. So um, I I had to realize that when I was still in the food, I 
there was no way I could have a relationship with a higher power. There's no such thing for me as um, being able to live a spiritual life and having a relationship with a higher power when I'm still in the food. Because no matter what I tell myself, when I am in the food, then that food is my God. And there is no room for anything or anyone else. So I have to put that food down. I have to admit who I am, a compulsive operator of the hopeless variety. And, um, and then... Once I admit that um, I, I, that's what I am and my life is unmanageable, then I can reach for that higher power, knowing that no human power could do this for me, certainly not myself and certainly not my knowledge. It had to be something that was unseen, and then I had to keep trudging on with the steps. Thank you all so much, and I pass. Thank you, Shannon S. Uh, Sashana K., please go ahead. Hi, good morning, Kathy. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you. Thank you so much, and thank you for everyone being on the line. This is such a beautiful and powerful meeting. So great to be here. Shoshana from Maryland, compulsive overeater. I just wanted to talk about the hopeless variety that came up today and how I was so hopeless when I came in and learned from this line and from the shares and from working with a recovered sponsor that I'm not helpless and that when I do this work and I follow these steps and I let the steps guide me to a higher power and let them work through me, not forcing it, but just to be with that set-aside prayer, to be open-minded and open to a new experience, then things really work beautifully in my life where the food doesn't call me anymore. And I'm just so grateful for that. And I wanted to talk also about the fear prayer and how I used to just look at how I trusted and relied on my finite self to control it. And I learned through this program, through these inventories, that you can trust and rely on infinite God or infinite higher power, whatever that is, but it's not you. And um, when I when I write it out, my sponsor makes me write it out, and I'm so grateful for that, that I can trust and rely on, and I say you, infinite God, to remove this fear. I just It just changes everything around for me, and it's so freeing. And the food never was so freeing. It just was those few seconds, like was shared, a few seconds, and it's not worth dying over a few seconds. And to get out of that, I have to keep doing this work. It has to be a program of action for me. And trying to do it with you all and so grateful and with that I pass which everyone a beautiful day thank you Soshana K okay we have time for two uh, two minute shares who would like to Julie M and who else Monica T Monica T that's great thank you both okay Julie M please go ahead Hi, this is Julie. I'm recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. Um, this reminds me of the first time that I went through the steps. And when I got to step two, I knew that I didn't believe in God. But I hadn't processed why. And I remember just sobbing with my sponsor and going through this whole process in my mind and in my body where I I just told her God can't exist. It's impossible because 
and I went through all this trauma, the sexual stuff that had happened to me as a child, and I, I said, if God exists and that happened to me, then I'm worth less than I thought before. Thinking no God existed made it easy to, be, to believe that that could have happened to me. And she said, Julie, you've always had a higher power. You just were never taught how to connect to it. Um, I had no spirituality growing up whatsoever. And in that moment, I just remember knowing that if I didn't act as if there was a power greater than myself, I was going to die because I, you know, like everybody, I was a compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety. And in that moment, I just, there was a spiritual thing that happened. And I just, I remember reaching out my hand just towards something. And it took me probably two more years in program to be able to even say the word God. I couldn't even get it out of my mouth. And for the longest time, I just knew that there had to be something bigger than me. That's all I needed to know because left to my own devices, you know, forget it. And I, I, could, I think I, I believed in the energy of the group for a while. And then I could say Mother Nature. I think for about a year I said Mother Nature in place of God. And now I am so grateful to my disease because if it wasn't for my compulsive overeating, I never would have come to a place where I believe in God and I believe in the power greater than myself that is always there for me, is kind, is loving, is compassionate, loves me unconditionally. And I can lean into that in my times of, you know, when life happens instead of going into the food. Food is quiet for me. And um, I'm so grateful to Overeaters Anonymous for allowing me to establish that connection and know that it's, it's real. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Julie. Um, and Monica T., please wrap Good morning. For us. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. This is Monica T., a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. So here we are in Chapter 4, We Agnostics, We Without Knowledge. Monica's missing something here. So to be doomed to an alcoholic death, or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. No, it's not. To be doomed to an alcoholic death. You know, there's my step one. I have, I've, I've been through the prior chapters here, and you know what? I've learned I am screwed. I am powerless over this food thing. I am powerless over the obsession of my mind. I am powerless even over my own will because I, I just can't do what I want to do and I don't do the things I want the other way around. It's just a mess. So I've got two choices here, the big book is telling me. Two choices, Monica. I'm powerless. I'm screwed. You know, how's your way been working, Monica? Well, it wasn't working. And they're telling me I've got two choices here. And like I've heard before, there's no door number three, Monica, that's two choices. What do you want? What do you want? And that's a question I ask myself frequently, and I still do. What do you want, Monica? Do you want the food or do you want recovery? Do you want pain or do you want happiness? What do you want? You know, how free do you want to be? And then they're saying, yeah, okay, we realize you've got an issue with this spiritual thing and this God thing. And I did, you know, God, don't, I don't know about all of this stuff. 
But you know what? You don't have to understand what this God thing is. All you need to begin this road is a willingness to believe in even just the possibility that there's something greater than you that can work for you. And the first 100 who wrote this book are telling us there is. We've tapped into this power. It's worked for us. We were dying. We were in the gutters. But look at us today because we did this work. Our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. You need not be upset or troubled. You know, this shows our need for a higher power, not to try and prove its existence. So I don't have to try to figure it out and understand it. I just need to have a willingness to believe there's something. And they are guaranteeing us here in this book that this worked for them. And all the thousands of recovered people since then are saying the same thing. And I am going to say that since I went through this process, work these steps, continue to work these steps, yeah, I agree with them. So, yeehaw, there's hope. There is hope. Do the work. With that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. And thank you to everyone who has shared Uh, Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Uh, The share ID for today, Tuesday, May 23rd, 2017, is 9968. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Allison L., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, it would be an honor. Hello, this is Allison L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.